Welcome to Uncovered, and it's uh, definitely Wednesday. I'm definitely Anthony Davis, and he is Ron Filipkowski. And uh, we are reacting in the early moments of this program to the breaking news that the FBI is investigating a vehicle explosion at the border crossing between Canada and the US. This is after a vehicle crashed into the checkpoint structure at the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara Falls. Um, I think two occupants of the vehicle have died, uh, according to law enforcement. Also, a customs and border protection officer suffered minor injuries that did not require hospitalization. Uh, the vehicle was traveling at a high rate of speed when it hit the structure, caught fire and exploded. Um, an initial search did not find an explosive or device, the law enforcement officers are saying. The news is evolving on this. Ron, the big issue for us, though, on this show where we uncover MAGA propaganda is exactly that, that the MAGA propaganda machine is is in full speed right now, isn't it? Just tell us what's being said. It's it's the same playbook that plays out after every mass shooting, after Paul Pelosi's attack, you name it. They, you know, the right wingers always rush out there with an anonymous source. In this case, it was one Fox reporter who went with an anonymous law enforcement source that this was a a car filled with explosives. Of course, that's all it takes for these people, you know, and then the right wingers went completely bananas. It's all the usual suspects. It's not the smart ones. <laughs> you know, it's the real far right ones, members of Congress, media, influencers, podcasters. It's a terrorist attack. It's an Islamic attack. It's a migrant who crossed the southern border on Joe Biden's watch. Joe Biden has blood on his hands. That's the usual stuff. And of yeah. course, what we're doing at Midas is we've been busy for the last two hours screenshotting all of those posts before they get deleted because now. That very same Fox reporter is walking back her own report. So, uh, it, it, you know, I just don't understand why these people don't wait an hour or two before they 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 go out there with this nonsense. It, it's 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 rather tragic, isn't it, that that the Republicans, the MAGA Republicans, both the Congress people and obviously, you know, those reacting are are kind of excited that there might be a terrorist attack. Do you see what I mean? Like actually finding some pleasure in this, wanting to own the libs so much to the point that they actually, you know, are going to make up something before it's even been confirmed just to score political points. You, You hit on a very good point and they get very indignant and outraged when you, when anybody says this, but it's absolutely true. I mean, I can tell you that that they 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 literally do they want something like that to happen. Because and how I say that is because every incident that happens, mass shooting, if somebody looks brown, I mean they're they're rushing to the, the conclusion that it must be a migrant who came across the southern border. And yeah, I mean, here you've got Islamic terrorist attack. Now it's it's Islamic. We don't know anything about this this per who these people are or what their motives were. This these could be drug dealers. You know, we have no idea. Yeah. Um, they could be you know rednecks from Tennessee. 
who are you know shipping meth across the border. We have no idea. Nobody does. But that does not stop these people. And I can tell you that, yes, they do want this to happen because the way that they the way that they view this. And I know because I watch all of their events is if there is a terrorist attack that kills many Americans on U.S. soil that is done by someone who crossed the southern border. okay, under Joe Biden's watch, they think the election is over at that point. Biden cannot win. They may be right. I mean, but but, you know. You don't root for it, not if you're a patriotic American, which these people claim to be, and they are furthest from it. But not if you're a human with a moral yeah, a compass and an ounce of humanity. Yeah. It's not just a political thing. It's like they want people dead. The value of life in the U.S. seems to be minimal compared to civilized <laughs> nations. And this is happening time and time again. And, you know, obviously we want to know that this is not a terrorist attack, you know, for the sake of the country. We also know that, you know, that it's been reported by the FBI or certainly, you know, in in their announcements that the biggest threat to the U.S. is homegrown terrorism, not Islamic fundamentalists. But, you know, the, the Republicans are so keen to be able to set this up so that Donald Trump can double down on his Muslim ban, which he's guaranteed is going to come back if he wins next year yeah i mean and what gives the game away is is you know they claim that we were happy about january 6th because it made them look bad they claim that we were happy about COVID because it it helped defeat donald trump they claim right so they're, they impute. I heard no Democrats happy about COVID or January 6th, quite the opposite. But this is their mindset because that's that's how they think. You know, they if I'm, I'm telling you, I, if we hook Charlie Kirk up to a up to a lie detector test, you know, it would come out that he very much wants something like this to happen and happen from someone who crossed the southern border. But how does this kind of level of evil, because, you know, permeate through millions of people? It's like, you know, the, you know, 70 million people voted more for for Donald Trump in 2020. And yet, you know, here, here we are talking about a whole political movement that is potentially excited that there might be a terrorist attack, which is going to knock Joe Biden down a couple of points. Well, it's not the 70 million who think that, you know, it's that handful of influencers and that MAGA base and and the handful of influencers who stir stir them up and the politicians. um, You know, I haven't inventoried my screenshots. I'm going to post them all in a story tonight, most likely. Um, but you know, it's, it's the usuals, you know, the Boberts, the greens, you know, all the freedom caucus, the Andy Biggs is, yeah. you know, all the real nut jobs. Vivek Ramaswamy was out there very early calling this a terrorist attack. Um, but you know, like the careful people, for example, like Ronna McDaniels, speaker Johnson, Mitch McConnell, they haven't said much, you know, because they're not complete idiots like some of these other people. But they're also experienced. And I mean, and that's the thing about journalism, isn't it? That, you know, I I put out a video that was shot or an eyewitness video of this fire going off. I didn't mention terrorist attack. I I was absolutely clear. This is an image of a fire. I didn't even mention explosion because we don't know whether the explosion happened because of an incendiary device or just because the vehicle hit hit the toll at high speed. It would be rude of us to to... 
hypothesize. And yet, this is the kind of whole MAGA movement, isn't it? Just to kind of say it first and worry about it afterwards. The other perfect example that just popped in my head is Afghanistan, where, you know, the 13 U.S. service members were blown up during the evacuation. I mean, this is something that they... You know, they claim to be outraged, but they they've used they've weaponized that and used it to this day. They use it against Joe Biden. I can assure you that during the debates against Trump and Biden, let's assume it's those two that 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 Trump is going to bring up that in those debates. Okay, no matter whether the question is asked or not. So they 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 want these things to happen. And what proves it is the fact that they use them as political tools every single time. Just an aside, can Donald Trump refuse to do the debates when it gets down to the final two? Can he, like he's refusing now, can he refuse then then as well? Uh, I think that would be a really, really bad look in a general. (laughs) I mean, he could cut it down to two or something like that, but but I I don't think he'll do that. I I think that he absolutely believes that he is going to, destroy joe biden in these debates and he'll probably want as many as 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 biden will agree to okay let's uh, we'll keep an eye on this story if anything develops as we're talking over the next hour i will absolutely announce it and, and and bring it to you that's what we do here at midas touch finger on the button but at the same time i want to talk about the uh, trump gag order the these uh, hearings now we've got harrison floyd in the dock he's the uh, leader of the political group black voices for trump and one of the 19 defendants indicted in 2023 in uh, fulton county georgia oh, it is 2023 isn't it i keep thinking we've already had a had a new year's eve um so obviously these charges arose from the campaign by trump to subvert the 2020 election this is kind of becoming quite con- controversial over the last 24 hours, hasn't it? Yeah, I've listened to every one of these hearings. And and what struck me really last night was there's a the consistent thread throughout them. So what you have is you have the New York one, you know, with Judge Engeron, and then yeah. the appeals court who has taken up that gag order up there. Then you have the D.C. one, which Chut can heard, and then it went to the D.C. Court of Appeals. I listened to those. Then you have the Georgia one with Harrison Floyd, which happened yesterday, which I watched. And, you know, this consistent theme develops with these judges trying to figure out what to do because it's really never happened before this way. I've handled thousands of criminal cases as a defense lawyer. Hundreds of my clients have harassed and tampered with witnesses without me knowing, of course. You know, they're making phone calls, they're sending text messages, you know, don't testify, don't show up in court, this kind of thing. It always backfires on them. They always end up getting locked up. And, but, but, you know, what the, what Trump is doing and what Floyd did, et cetera, is different. And this is why, this is why the judges are struggling with how to deal with this. What they are doing is they're posting things on social media that aren't like that, but are close. In other words, they're not saying like, uh, you know, Bill Barr shouldn't testify against me. He should recant his story. They're not saying that. What he's saying is Bill Barr is a traitor. You know, I can't believe, or Jenna Ellis or whoever, they're traitors, they're losers, uh, they're scumbags. I can't believe they're doing this. And they're just leaving it up to interpretation because they because they know that their followers will read that stuff and act upon it in a violent, threatening way. 
but they're not actually telling them to do that. So, so you have a situation where the tamperer is not communicating directly with the witnesses. In other words, like most criminal defendants, they're going to call or text that person directly. These people aren't doing that. They're making, they're doing it on social media and they're relying on other people to interpret that and carry it out. This is the same thing Trump did on January 6th, right? right? The same exact playbook and judges are, are struggling. Like, how do we put somebody in jail for posting something like that when the person who acted out the threat is not them, you know? And so they're trying to weigh these two things. And, and what adds another layer of complexity is the fact that Donald Trump is running for president and candidates for public office is the highest protected class of speech in this country. So it, it's quite a mess. You know, when I've been watching a lot of this coverage, and I'll show a clip from the Floyd hearing in just a moment, you know, my... I come from a country where, you know, we don't have First Amendment rights, but we have free speech, but we also have very clearly defined hate speech and incitement laws. So if this was the UK, Donald Trump would have absolutely just have been incarcerated by now. You know, he wouldn't be allowed to run for president, but not just that. There's a sense of shame still in many civilized countries, whereby, you know, if something has gone really badly in terms of your your standing, your social standing, your professional standing, then you respect that and you take a back seat, which is why, you know, we had three prime ministers in about two weeks recently in in, in England. And so, you know, you have to understand that what is missing in this whole equation is a moral compass. And Trump recognizing that because he has 91 charges and four indictments and a whole bunch, you know, rape and everything else that goes with it, there isn't that moral compass that says, you know, I'm probably not a great candidate for president. It's the opposite because of the malignant narcissism, because of the, the fascism and, and, and realizing that there's a grift involved as well. There's money to be made. And this is his job now, isn't it? Just pissing off judges. This is his job. He's literally he doesn't have another job. He's literally doing this for a living and loving it. What, what people have to understand to understand the, what he's doing is this. Donald Trump knows that he cannot win these cases in court, okay? His strategy is to win these cases at the ballot box, not in a courtroom. So he fully understands that everything he's doing with attacking judges, attacking prosecutors is going to hurt him in courtrooms. But he doesn't think he can win there anyway. So what he's he's doing this for political reasons, what he how he hopes to win the court cases is delay them until after the election by using every gimmick possible, win the election, pardon himself, be immune from prosecution in state court as the president. And that's how he's going to beat these cases. So so all of this stuff doesn't mean anything to him. The fact that he's attacking all these people because all he cares about is votes. He doesn't care about the court system. I uh, tweeted an article from Politico this morning uh, about Eileen Cannon. The, the headline was how one judge is slowing down one of Trump's biggest criminal cases. But I wrote, Trump is playing hardball because he knows that ultimately he has the protection of his self-appointed Supreme Court. Anyone who thinks he won't use his SCOTUS immunity or that they won't protect him is still living in the pre-dystopian past. This is dystopian now. This, this world that you and I are, are conversing in, 
discussing the fact that the rule of law doesn't seem to apply to this authoritarian is the dystopian future that people predicted. And that that remains to be seen. You know, it, it, <laughs> you can't you, know, you can't I can't convince you that it's already happening, can I? Well, I, January I, six. It's the Supreme all, Court part. Oh, I agree that that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. Whether the Supreme Court will do that is an open question. And the only reason why I say that is because they did not bail him out on all of his election fraud stuff. Sure. But, but he so packed the court in the last three weeks. He might not. Right. You know? he, he, packed, he packed the court not just because of, of Roe versus Wade. He packed the court for himself. He does oh, everything for himself, right? Yep. And so yep. he knows that he can push it and push it and push it up the chain till eventually the Supreme Court has to hear it. And because he made these far-right Christian extremist uh, appointments, that at some point they're going to have to thank him for those lifelong appointments. That's the way he looks at it, correct. Yeah. Whether the justices look at it that way is another question. <laughs> well, Clearly, Eileen Cannon looks at it that way. <laughs> totally. And and didn't we say when Eileen Cannon was first appointed that, you know, it has to be moved out of her jurisdiction. It has to go to another judge. She has to recuse herself, all this stuff. And, and nothing like that has happened. She is absolutely sticking to the plan. I have no doubt that there are back channels and there is some kind of communication in my opinion you know that she is taking direction because she she doesn't seem to be smart enough to do this stuff by herself you know she's made so many mistakes in her filings yep absolutely so and she's a trial judge but you know you mentioned delay in that case but that has a domino effect that affects the other cases as well yeah. delaying that one so um yeah, she's she's causing a lot of problems. And and the fact is that case is the easiest to prove, the simplest to prove. It was the first case brought. It should be very quickly moving through the system, but but the reality is he's got he's got the right judge to drag things out. And and we've now heard the Georgia case, it, Fannie Fannie Willis said that that case is very likely to be uh, take go after the election. Right. So you have the prosecutor saying it in Georgia. So so what are we left with? We're left with January 6th and then the, the New York case, which is a piece of garbage, really, in my opinion. The New York case is not very good. So really, it all comes down to the J6 DC case. Fortunately, Jack Smith seems to be the most serious of all of the prosecutors. And he also seems to have more evidence up his sleeves that we are yet not privy to. So, you know, I, I put my trust in the Hague guy. <laughs> the guy from the Hague is where I put my trust. Um, let's have a quick look at this uh, hearing uh, with Harrison Floyd. And you can then just tell us a little bit about it's quite long. So I've kind of cut it down. So let's okay. uh, take a little look. Here it is. Why did you hire this company to do threat assessment on your two clients. Is that something you do for every client you have? No. Why did you find it necessary to do for this particular client? Well, just the, the, the level of threats since all of this began for uh, Ruby and Shay have been quite high. She's been listed on death lists. Um, she's been told that she needs to leave her house by the FBI. So we just need to keep an eye on what's out there, whether there are any spikes or flashes in the threat level. So this company has been retained to do that. How is it that you became aware that Ms. F Mr. Floyd, the defendant in this matter, uh, was making comments about your client? 
Well, a, a couple of uh, my co-counsel uh, informed me uh, that there were some comments being made and that we needed to huddle together and have a, um, a, a session to assess what was going on and to determine whether there were anything, any measures that needed to be taken uh, by us or by Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss. To keep them safe. To keep them safe, absolutely. So tell us what's going on there. I feel so sorry for Ruby Freeman and you know, that being caught. I mean, this is an, an entirely new thing in criminal law now. And, and once again, Trump is taking an institution, you know, the justice system, in this case, Harrison Floyd. Hey, and Harrison Floyd is just copying Trump's methods, Yeah, which is Harrison Floyd made a bunch of inflammatory posts about Ruby Freeman and Jenna Ellis. And his followers then said some absolutely horrendous things. One of them said Ruby Freeman needs to be Epstein, referring to Epstein who, you know, hung, whether he hung himself or somebody hung him, he, he was hung, said that that needs to happen to Ruby Freeman. So, you know, the defense, of course, is with Trump and Floyd is, well, I didn't say that. One of my followers said that. But but they have to know that their followers are going to respond this way because that's the way they have responded in the past. And so what's new here in the criminal justice system that I've never seen before in 28 years is you have the somebody representing a witness in the case who has a threat monitor that is monitoring spikes in online threats to his client after somebody makes a social media post. I mean... We're in a whole different world here that Donald Trump has ushered in, which is very, very dark and terrible. And, and it's yet another example where he's taken something that, you know, and, and just pushed the bounds and broken through those bounds and has shown somebody like Harrison Floyd a new way to go after witnesses in criminal cases. He he reminds me of the kid at the party who's just running around the party with a full force of energy, who doesn't have any kind of empathy for other people's feelings or any personal space boundaries. He's just like smashing into stuff, knocking other kids over, making a mess. And, and you know, me and the other little children are just kind of sitting there with our, with our moral compass thinking, who behaves like that? It would be fine if it was just some kind of fringe operator. This is the former president of the United States who is breaking at all legal conventions, political conventions, social conventions. I mean, if we look to Argentina and see the guy who just got elected there or, you know, we talked about Bolsonaro in Brazil or Viktor Orban in, in Hungary. I mean, these characters have been given life and energy because they all look to the United States as a as a place of, you know, they look up to the U.S. Most countries look up to the U.S. And Trump, during those four years, did so much damage that he basically gave them the confidence, gave candidates the confidence to run. I mean, the guy in Argentina, they refer to him as a nut job. Yeah. And, and, and yet he's looking at Trump going, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And Bolsonaro, you know, Trump's his role model. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... The Trump of the Tropics was Bolsonaro's nickname. Right. Uh, this this guy in Argentina now they're calling him L Little Trump. Or, mm -hmm. you know, look the the playbook that Trump used on January sixth is exactly the playbook he's using now to go after these witnesses. What did he do on January sixth? Put out the tweet. Come to D.C. It's going to be wild. Yeah. Mike Pence is a traitor. We're going to march down to the Capitol. 
if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. That laid the groundwork. And then, yeah. so then when they act on that and violence occurs, Trump then says, well, I didn't, uh, that's not what I meant. I, I didn't mean for them to do that, you know? So there's always this plausible deniability and they're doing it again with these witnesses. Well, when, when I attacked these witnesses, I didn't mean for some of my followers to, you know, go to their house and shoot it up. Oh no, I wasn't talking about that when they know full well that that is foreseeable. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because as you say, it changes the rules of engagement. And and social media has such a big part to play in this, doesn't it? You know, we, we didn't have social media historically. And so they can't really look to case law to you know, kind of make decisions about the present. You know, Be- go on. you mentioned that, but the lead investigator in that uh, hearing yesterday doesn't use any social media so you have the lead detective in the case who's doesn't never uses twitter or facebook who is having to investigate this stuff so you could see there i mean in the past a detective did not need to be savvy on social media but now you almost have to be yeah yeah you have to you have to be an investigator yourself don't you you have to kind of have these Almost, you have to have a kind of journalistic mind to be able to join the dots. But I suppose the good thing about social media is that there's always a paper trail. Yes. And, and you know, previously, so much of it was hearsay. Okay, let's move on and talk about Lauren Bobert. Uh, she's in a bit of hot water. Doesn't look like she's, she'll get reelected at this rate. This is due to the, uh, the ballot measure for next year. It would make Colorado's primaries open, um, enacting ranked choice voting for, for general elections. Tell us about this, and I'll, I'll show this tweet that she posted. One of the... Um really smart things that Democrats have been doing heading into these election cycles. They did it in the midterms a little bit, and now they're doing it again in 2024, is putting ballot initiatives, putting initiatives on the ballot that are going to turn out young voters who may not be thrilled about Joe Biden being the nominee, and that might not motivate them to show up. So they're giving them other things to motivate young voters. And one of the things on the Colorado ballot is abortion rights. They're, they're, now, abortion is legal in Colorado. So they, they could just leave it alone and say, well, it's legal. There's no reason to do this. But, but number one, you want to protect it in case things change. But number two, it's also very helpful to Democratic candidates to have a bunch of young people, especially young women, show up to vote for the abortion amendment. So you might have a 19-year-old college student in Colorado who is not motivated to go down and vote for Joe Biden, but she's going to go down and vote for that abortion amendment and vote for Biden, hopefully, while she's there. And this is the problem for Boebert. because Boebert has to oppose this amendment. This amendment is favored by like 70% of Coloradans, including many Republicans in Colorado. And so Boebert has to oppose it. Of course, her opponent, Adam Frisch, is for the amendment. So that's one thing that's going to hurt her. The second thing is this ranked choice voting that she's very concerned about. This is what took out Sarah Palin. You know, these ranked choice voting is designed to do away with extremist candidates on both sides. Uh, because, in other words, there's really no primary system. Multiple people can run. You could have five different candidates from both parties and you would rank them one through five, the extremist candidates on both parties end up at the bottom. So 
if I'm a Democrat, I might vote for, you know, my favorite Democrat one, and I'm going to vote Sarah Palin number five, and she's going to get a fifth place points. And, and so that's going to kill her in the ranked choice voting. It, it kills extremist candidates. It tends to elect moderates. And this is what, so Sarah Palin in Alaska got the most first place votes, but lost her race because she had also had the most last place votes. This is what would happen to Boebert. So that, that initiative is also on the ballot for 2024. Now it wouldn't take effect till 26, which means that if ranked choice voting happens in Colorado and she somehow survives in 24, she absolutely would be toast under ranked choice voting in 26. But I believe, I believe she's toast in 24. I mean, she won by 600 votes. In the meantime, her opponent, Frisch, has out-fundraised her 4-1. to one. She's gotten divorced. She had the scandal in the theater. She has all this mess over the speaker election, which she was involved in. And uh, now you have the abortion amendment on the ballot. I think she's in deep, deep trouble and will lose. Let me read the tweet for those people who are listening on the audio podcast. Lauren Bobert posted, I will oppose this effort to rig our electoral system in Colorado with everything I have. Ranked choice voting is a scheme launched by well-moneyed interests who are only concerned with their own power and not giving Coloradans a choice at the ballot box. Grassroots Republican voters deserve to choose our GOP candidates and they will reject this blatant attempt to diminish their voices. She's scared, isn't she? Yep. She's scared because, you know, I I like ranked choice voting. I could tell you who doesn't like it are the party bosses. You know, I'm sure Jamie Harrison probably is opposed to it as well because, you know, they, they can't they're not closed primary. So you can't control who the nominees are going to be. The voters control that, you know, in other words, like a Democrat could freely cross party lines and vote for a Republican and vice versa because essentially there's no primaries. So um, that really it really results in moderates being elected, moderate candidates, Democrats and Republicans. And so um, and, and it's very helpful to independents uh, who are running. So a third party candidate. So uh, people like Lauren Boebert cannot get elected in that system. In, in uh, the UK, we had a referendum about uh, 10 years ago to try and change the first past the post system for the alternative vote. And they, they, they rigged the, the referendum question, right? So they said, do you want to stay with the current first past the post system of voting or change to the alternative vote? Which is a loaded question. And of sure. course, it, you know, it, it didn't pass and still stuck with first past the post, which is a because it isn't first past the post. This is the whole point. It's like it says it is, but it isn't. And we haven't got time to talk about the intricacies of these different voting systems around the world. But but first past the post, it's a little bit like pro-life. You know, the branding of it says something completely different to what you, you actually get. And yeah. OK, let's let's talk about Elon Musk, because uh, he has decided to announce a thermonuclear legal case against media matters. Just tell us about this before I show this little clip. I mean, this is really a very serious problem. And I, I've said this before, that when people like Musk single out a reporter or a media outlet, to me, it's so important for all of the other media outlets to band together and push back together. 
Yet again, I don't really see that happening very much. I see Media Matters kind of out there on their own a little bit. I have tried to do everything I can to step up and, and, and join the fight here. So what they did is they conducted a study, and I've been doing it on my own lately, by the way, uh, looking for ads that are on X or Twitter next to real extremists, right-wing, anti-Semitic, Nazi-style posts. And, you know, showing those companies, hey, Target, here's your ad next to a Nazi post. You know, is this what you really want? Because what we all know is since Musk took over, there's no content moderation on X, virtually none. Well, he fired the old apartment, didn't he? And this is the point, is that he cannot assure his advertisers that their ads will not show up next to stuff because he doesn't moderate anything. He's a free speech absolutist, supposedly. So what is he what is he doing is so he files his federal lawsuit in Texas, by the way, which is not where X headquarters is located, not where Media Matters is located. But he wants a conservative right wing, you know, Trumpian judge. Yeah, he files it in Texas. It happens to be where Musk lives now some of the time in Austin area. So maybe that's why he did it. I don't know. Most likely it'll get moved. But yeah, the whole concept of this is to like, have an oligarch with so much money that can just sue somebody into oblivion. But thankfully it looks like, you know, media matters is going to completely fight back on this. Um, But, but I think that, you know, Trump followed suit and did the same thing. Uh, The next day he sued 20 media companies for their reporting about true social. That's right. You know, having lost $73 million. And Michael Flynn is doing that. You Mm -hmm. know, Michael Flynn sued Midas Touch. I mean, Michael Flynn sued, has sued half the people on Twitter. You know, he files lawsuits. So uh, this is, this is like the new thing now, you know, that they're going to try and do this lawfare and they're going to come after people. And their justification of it is, well, this is what you're doing to Donald Trump. So we're just retaliating. Yeah, interesting whether that uh, argument stands up in court when you consider the First Amendment, but also the fact that journalism is supposed to be separate to politics. It's important that, you know, the it's like Trump, you know, referring to the, the journalists and the media as being the enemy of the people. This, to me, is is the next level to that. You know, he sowed the, the groundwork to make people distrust the media and then come the come the legal cases here's a here's a clip of uh, ken paxton the um texas attorney general talking about this uh, elon musk case we were made aware recently of, of what's going on with media matters as you probably know fairly liberal pro-democratic organization which is fine uh but they are trying to manipulate it looks like they're trying to manipulate the platform of x formerly known as twitter to make it look like they're they're racist and they tried to tie those racist ads that were created to some of the major advertisers on Twitter to hurt their business. Obviously that affects consumers and that's what we're looking into as, to, as, as a matter of law. Have they violated our, our, our fraud laws and have they violated some laws as it relates to being a nonprofit? The Media Matters hit job that they did on X got several major companies to drop ads on X. So p- theoretically, Ken, if Media Matters indeed created something fraudulently, there are material damages here that could be proven. I mean, X could say, hey, we lost $60 million in ad revenue because of this sort of report. 
Yeah, well, one, we can take away, if we find that they violated state law and it's, 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 it's extreme, we can take away their ability to do business in Texas so they wouldn't be able to operate here. Uh, secondly, another measure was to go after them for any type of damages. And uh, those are damages to consumers because if, if they are affecting uh, companies and they are affecting consumers' belief about those companies, Obviously, there are damages involved, and we have a right as, as, as the state of Texas to go after those, those damages. It just reminds me, Ron, that, you know, the U.S. is not one country. It is 50 different countries, right. 50 different jurisdictions, 50 different kind of political thought processes and attitudes. And, you know, this is why we can't really compare the U.S. with other countries, because, A, the, the scale, the landmass, but mainly the way the country is divided by state. This is this is very important, this this right here, because you know, people throw the word fascism around. I don't, but this is fascism exactly by definition. It's one thing for Elon Musk to use his fortune to pick on somebody small and sue them. Okay, that's one thing. But what Stephen Miller, you know, the Trump's fascist advisor in chief did is he responded to elon musk's uh post about this by saying you know this could be criminal what what they did people could go to jail for this uh this should be investigated criminally by a by a republican district attorney somewhere in the country so stephen miller was the first person to throw this out there so when when ken paxson says i heard reports he's talking about stephen miller's tweet yeah Musk responded back to Stephen Miller saying, oh, really? Criminal and civil, you don't say. That is when two attorney generals, the horrible, corrupt right-wing attorney general in Missouri, and Ken Paxton responded to say, oh, oh yes, Elon, dear Elon, we will use the power of our offices, which is awesome power, to now investigate media matters, both criminally and civilly, using the power of the state. So now this, an oligarch who had his businesses affected because he's romancing anti-Semitic Nazis on his site is going to employ state power to go after the media outlet that pointed it out, okay? And by the way, and, and, and by the way, Ken Paxson, just survived an impeachment. He's literally back on the job like for a couple of weeks for using his office for exactly this kind of stuff to go after political. He was just impeached by this for this and survived because enough Republicans banded together in the Senate to bail his ass out. So here he is. He's right back on the job. What's the first thing he does? Fascism. I mean, this is what is happening in our country. And what I said is you take what Ken Paxson is doing right here and you multiply it by a thousand if Donald Trump gets back in the White House. For a man who doesn't like to talk about fascism, you, you've certainly changed your mind in the last three minutes. So uh, well done, because it is. It's totalitarianism. It is the, you know, people make references to Nazi Germany. And of course, you know, Trump's now parroting Adolf Hitler in his speeches. But this is what, you know, history teaches us. And yet now it's almost like, the whole kind of Nazi movement has been devalued and diluted. 
because Republicans are doing the same thing and then kind of, you know, trying to distance themselves from that. But, you know, for those people who care for history, and I know you certainly do, this is the moment that the alarm bells have to be sounded. You know, yes. this is the moment that you have to literally ring the bell with, with, with all of your strength right across the right across the country because as you say the the retribution the the hate and the games that trump will play when he comes back in will make his last four years seem like a kid's party can, can i tell you one more thing too which is you know i don't ever talk about social media followers or follower count i never discuss that i never post about it because it's yeah. not something i really care that much about but i will say that my follower counts have never gone down on on any single day ever since I've been on Twitter. I typically average about 1,200 new followers every single day, between 1,000 and 12, since I've been on Twitter. Never gone down. Since I started this crusade of joining to defend Media Matters a week ago, my follower counts have gone down every single day. And, and almost literally like an hour after I posted my last anti-Musk Media Matters tweet, immediately lost 1,200 followers. So I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but something is going on. It's certainly not going to stop me because I don't really care how many followers I have. But uh, something weird is happening behind the scenes here at X. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it? And you have now joined Threads, we should say. I have. Um, at Ron Filipkowski. Uh, I joined too. You have 10 times the amount of followers that I have in, in a very short amount of time, which is, I get it, you're better looking. It's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But the other person that just joined Threads, which we should announce, is, of course, Joe Biden. Right. And, you know, hopefully he'll find that a more comfortable and softer place to land. I like it. You know, I was a little skeptical at first. You know, I'm not a huge Zuckerberg fan either. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like it. It's very functional. I, I probably right now I'm posting like 20% of my stuff I post on Twitter over there. But it is my absolute like New Year's resolution is my goal very soon to post 100. Everything I post on Twitter I'm going to post over on uh, threads. The only thing I'm not sure about is the Trump screenshots that I sometimes post because I kind of feel like the people over there maybe don't want that. You yeah. know, they, they're kind of enjoy not seeing Trump stuff. Yeah. So I might not post those, but, but I am going to try and post everything else. OK, we have to take a quick uh, pause for our sponsors, but uh, we're going to come back with more from Ron Filipkowski and myself, Anthony Davis, here on Uncovered. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bedsheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Maid uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding, so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. So you get a better night's sleep every night. 
These sheets are infused with silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than sheets used by some five-star hotels. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends, or family who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bedsheets. And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one, just in time for the holidays. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40%. And if you use our promo code uncovered at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash uncovered and use the code uncovered to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. That's trymiracle.com slash uncovered to treat yourself, a friend or a loved one this holiday season. As you may know, we've been raving about Beam's Dream Powder, the healthy hot cocoa for sleep. Dream contains a powerful all-natural blend of reishi, magnesium, L-theanine, melatonin, and nano-CBD to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Just mix Beam Dream into hot water or milk, stir or froth, and enjoy before bedtime. I've tried it, it tastes great, and gave me an excellent night's sleep. Find out why Forbes and New York Times are all talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes and business professionals. And today, you can get a special discount on Beam's Dream Powder, their best-selling healthy hot cocoa for sleep with no added sugar. Now available in delicious seasonal flavors like cinnamon cacao, sea salt caramel, and white chocolate peppermint. Better sleep has never tasted better. A recent clinical study revealed Dream helped 93% of users wake up feeling more refreshed, and 93% reported that Dream helped them get a more restful night's sleep. If you want to try Beam's best-selling Dream Powder, take advantage of their biggest sale of the year and get up to 50% off for a limited time when you go to shopbeam.com slash uncovered. The discount is auto-applied at checkout. No code is necessary. That's shopbeam.com slash uncovered for up to 50% off. And you can find the links to our sponsors' products in the description below. Uh, they do make great holiday gifts. And uh, Ron and I, we, we get these products. We try these products. The Miracle Sheets, Ron and I text each other about how comfortable they are. And so they make great uh, holiday gifts. So if you want to give a gift for Thanksgiving or Christmas or anything else, then uh, just check out the description below this video and you can click straight through. Uh, Ron, we are uncovering the far-right MAGA propaganda here on Uncovered. Let's uh, talk about uh, Mike Lee, the uh, Republican congressperson out of Utah. He has been kind of leading the charge on this, um, you know, the, the, the release of these January 6 tapes that uh, Mike Johnson was very proud of. And there's this moment where this guy flashes a, 
It's a vaping thing, isn't it? And, and they say it's an FBI badge. This is all part of the conspiracy theory that the MAGA Republicans are putting in that, you know, the FBI were behind the January 6th riot. The typical familiar pattern that I've been through this a thousand times with these people. Th- thankfully, you know, we have people in place now like us at Midas who are on top of this stuff and because certainly the White House isn't and the Democratic Party isn't. So we had to step up and do this shit ourselves because certainly the Democratic Party doesn't really get what's happening here um, in, in situations like this. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you have a right wing conspiracy theorist, Derek Evans. By the way, Derek Evans is a January 6th defendant. You see Evans for West Virginia, he who ran for Congress and lost, who you know, looked at this blurry image in this guy's hand on one of the videos that Mike Johnson released and said, oh, this looks like an FBI badge. And of course, you know, Mike Lee, along with who's a senator from Utah, along with other politicians, Marge Green and others, immediately seized upon it, you know, because this plays into their theory that these are all FBI agents, you know, disguised as Trump supporters, which Clay Higgins brought up with the ghost bus, right? This confirms their conspiracies. Now, it was all based on this blurry image. And a United States senator ran with that. When, what do we know? This is a well-known J6 defendant who was sentenced to four and a half years in prison. He was sentenced because, you know, he broke in as well as, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he and he stole the picture of John Lewis off Nancy Pelosi's desk. He stole a, a staffer's wallet out of his jacket pocket with cash in it. <laughs> I mean, this is and it was a vape. It was a vape device that he had easily debunked. But, you know, this is very typical. But what would ha- what would happen two years ago is nothing would happen from the left that these conspiracies would spiral out of control. More and more people, more and more gas would get poured, poured on the fire. Two weeks later, the, the White House or somebody else would debunk it, and it's too late. Thankfully, now there's enough of us online who attack these things five minutes after they happen, or this conspiracy would have gotten much bigger. But what happened was a lot of the people who were starting to jump onto it immediately backed off when we proved that it was BS. Except for Mike Lee. <laughs> yeah. And and the social media sites, including Twitter, they now provide additional context underneath. And, you know, so they can actually Eventually. debunk it in place, which is kind of interesting and is working. And, you know, you click, is this helpful? Absolutely. But let's just talk for a moment about, because I heard um, Lauren, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene saying, you know, I still don't know if it was Trump people out there, you know, to me, it looked like Antifa. I mean, it's so crazy considering that, that, you know, over 500 people have been convicted now. So their identities are absolutely clear. And not to mention that everything is on video. But Mike Johnson wanted to kind of, again, a publicity stunt, owning the libs, claiming he's transparent, putting out a, a little bit of video. Of course, it's the video of them arriving and some of them walking quietly through the halls of Congress. This is the point, isn't it, that that the propaganda behind this is very powerful. Yeah, because the prop I mean, look, the Capitol's a big place. And 
there were many places in the building where while violence is happening one place, yeah. there wasn't violence happening in another place. Yeah. And this happens on battlefields. It happens yeah. in, in protests and insurrections. So just because, you know, you can point to a series of clips that show, you know, people walking through the Capitol and not vandalizing anything does not mean that, you know, outside there wasn't police officers being beaten. Mm. But that's what they're trying to do with this stuff. I don't think it's working. I, I think that the I don't I think the public consciousness about this stuff and the pushback has been strong enough. I, I think it's a really bad idea because because I think most voters, the middle of the road voters don't want to hear about January 6th that much in this election cycle. They're they're putting it in their rearview mirror. They don't want to talk about it. They want to talk about something else because the American attention span is very short. And Republicans are doing Democrats a favor by recycling these conspiracies because it puts January 6th back in the news cycle yeah. and back in front of voters again. Voters who really don't necessarily want to hear about it anymore from Democrats, but are now hearing about it from Republicans. And so I think they're just shooting themselves in the foot again. It, it, I mean, we should never forget about January 6th in the same way that we shouldn't forget about 9-11. I mean, this is the whole point. These are the two kind of moments in American political history that that you know are a real stain on 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 the the nation's timeline and my fear is that January 6 will happen again and the insurrection is still going on it's just going on in courtrooms and online and in you know in other ways even yeah. holding the country to ransom with the with the government shutdown it's all part of the insurrection in my mind going on in state legislatures right yeah. yeah absolutely and and i think that you know hey people like green stupid people are doing us a favor by keeping this in the yeah. news um so i'm all i'm all for it you know let them keep rolling out these conspiracies about january 6th right up until election day green wants to form a new january 6th committee and hold hearings i say great let's do it two months before the election because you know, Democrats are going to have people on this committee who are going to be quite good and they're going to get to call witnesses, too. So, you know, careful what you wish for. Uh, George Santos is on his way out. Finally, you posted that he was toast. Um, you know, you've you've kind of looked into this. I mean, we're at the point now where he really can't be saved, can he? Yeah, the numbers are bad. I mean, um, you know, this ethics report that came out, is just devastating. I mean, it's really, he has no defense whatsoever. Um, he, it, it's so bad in terms of just creating an, a completely fraudulent identity, um, you know, claiming that millions of dollars in, in loans were being made or hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans were being made when they weren't um, to get people to donate. I think the most nefarious thing he did was he set up these two consulting businesses in Florida of all why Florida. He's not from Florida um, and, and had what and, and they were owned by him, but he denied that to his campaign staffers and treasurers. He said he, he tried to claim these are independent firms. They have nothing to do with me. And and so the campaign is writing these massive checks for hundreds of thousands of dollars to these consulting firms and the people writing the checks with his campaign because he had some legitimate people there for a while. They all quit, you know, but he had some legit people who are questioning some of these payments 
And, you know, Santos was like, no, no, these are legit consulting firms. When they weren't, they were just George Santos shell companies. And he was taking that money and putting it in his pocket, spending it on travel, casinos, only fans, you know, clothing, his rent, his credit card bills. So, I mean, they got him dead to right. So politically, you know, you need two thirds votes. The votes are trickling in. I think right now he's it's like they just need one or two more votes to oust him. And I think the Republicans really want to get rid of him right after Thanksgiving. I I know they're going to have the vote right after they come back. It's not looking good for Santos. And what's the process for replacing him? Yeah, well, I mean, it would be a governor appointment, which which is, you know, part of the reason why they've been dragging their feet is obviously you have a Democratic governor and that seat is a Democratic seat. There are more Democrats in that district than Republicans. Santos actually pulled off an upset. So um, in that in that race, so I think what the Republicans because understand <laughs> is that if they oust him, yeah. Ockel is going to appoint a Democrat, and that Democrat is very likely going to win that seat, may win that seat. So they may not get it back, which is why that they've dragged their feet. But but you have a situation where you have three or four other New York Republican members of Congress who are worried about losing their seats because of this, and they they want him out more than more than anybody else. This kind of comes back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, a moral compass where doing the right thing in other countries just happens by default because, you know, everybody operates by the same set of standards. But here in the US, the the divide is such that, you know, politics comes first and what's right comes second. And, And, you know, those that is affecting so many big decisions in our political and legal history right now. If Republicans had a 20-seat majority, Santos would have been gone months ago. Yeah. The only reason he's there is because they desperately needed his vote. But I think that they're kind of come to the realization that the allegations are just too damning, number one. And there's only a year left to the elections. And, and you know, maybe they can make it through without his vote. Yeah. Um, there's been we spoke last week about Rona McDaniel, chair of the RNC. More drama about her this time. Roger Stone, who you would have thought would be supporting her, is actually on, you know, trying to stir up a lot of um, uh, kind of anger and hatred towards her. Not to mention for a for a shrimp cocktail. I'll play the clip and then you can tell us what they're talking about. We should not be paying for you know private jets. Uh, five-star hotels uh, and resorts, uh, personal makeup person, a personal hairdresser, uh, uh, unlimited number of shrimp cocktails, champagne uh, for the national uh, chairwoman. Uh, she needs... Sounds um, like a nice job, to, by the way. <laughs> I mean, you have me a shrimp cocktail. That- I could eat a shrimp cocktail right now. Um What's what's his you know what's his game in this, Ron? Well, you know, after the midterms, uh, lots of people called for Ron McDaniel's head because you know when an election goes badly, you, you, somebody's got to be blamed, right? Yeah. Somebody's got to be take the take the blame. So the midterms went very badly for Republicans, much worse than they should have. So who gets the blame? Well. Ron and McDaniel's basically pointing the finger and Mitch McConnell pointing the finger at Trump and saying, it's your dumb endorsements. You endorsed all these wackos, Herschel Walker, Oz, you know, Kerry Lake, all these people. That's why we lost is because 
you've got all we've got all these weirdo MAGA candidates. And of course, Trump world, which is Roger Stone, Trump and others are pushing back and blaming Ronna McDaniel. Oh, no, it's not Trump's fault. It's Ronna's fault. So that's where this is coming in, which is it really is Trump's fault. <laughs> I mean, uh, far be it for me to defend Ronna McDaniel because I don't think she's that great, but she is not to blame. She's really not. I think it's more Trump and MAGA are to blame for these losses uh, that not her, but you know, they're, they're coming after her and making her the scapegoat. So what she did to save her job this last time she, she hung on to it, was she pledged this was going to be her final term and she was not going to run for another term. So her term is going to expire at the end of this year. Um, but we'll we'll see if she actually honors that pledge because, you know, we've heard those kind of pledges before. Donald Trump is actually struggling in some places to get endorsements and, and get support. And we have a clip of him in, in Iowa and he's he's not happy about it. Let's take a look. They get a lot. I got you. I got a lot of guys elected right here, including Grassley, who was having a problem and including Joni Ernst, who had a big problem. Could you do, could you do, sir, a rally for me in Iowa? Absolutely. You think it's easy to come all the way from wherever the hell I am and do a rally in front? I got him elected. Remember that. But Ron. I got him elected. He says it like some baddie out of a James Bond movie. This is, this is going to become a problem for Trump, isn't it? That actually the support that he, because he expects loyalty, doesn't he? You know, everything is, everything is tit for tat with him. But but maybe it's not going to happen for him. You know, some things he does are has a strategic purpose and is like thought out by somebody, if not by him, by somebody else. There is there's kind of a, a, a method to the madness, even though the method is often mad itself. Yeah. Uh, but but at least he has some thinking behind it. These things, there's no thinking here. There's no strategy. This is just emotion from him, him emoting. Because he can't stand when somebody won't support him or, you know, is disloyal, according to him. So what what he's doing, you know, and you can always tell, by the way, when something bothers him because he obsesses about it. He talks about it constantly. So he'll claim, you know, what what has happened this past week? The Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds, has endorsed DeSantis. Bob Vanderplatz, who is the leading, you know, faith pro-life leader in Iowa very influential every single person he's endorsed in the past has won the iowa caucus he endorsed desantis yesterday or the day before and trump has gone off on this he you know he's been trashing vanderplatt so because he can't he can't take this stuff when somebody so so here he goes out of his way to trash grassley the two senators grassley and ernst for no reason whatsoever, they have not endorsed. All they said is, we want to stay out of it. We're going to stay neutral. But Trump can't accept that. To him, that's disloyal. Neutrality is disloyalty. So he goes out of his way to attack two senators for absolutely no reason. Now, what I've said is this kind of, and, and by the way, the New Hampshire governor, Sununu, is going to endorse DeSantis. I think Brian Kemp is going to endorse DeSantis in Georgia. So this is not the end of these endorsements. And although, you know, DeSantis may not win, Trump trashing these people is ultimately going to hurt him at some point. You know, it's going to hurt him in November. Um, You know, some of these bridges cannot be repaired. 
yes, some of these people are still going to vote for Trump, but but they're not going to do it enthusiastically. They're not going to hold fundraisers. They're not going to turn out their 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 machines, turn out the vote machines. Democrats get frustrated when people like like that, you know, say, well, I'm still going to support the nominee. But, you know, they're saying that and there's actually doing things to help that person. These people that Trump are trashing are not going to help him in November. There must be a knock on effect of all of the negativity surrounding Donald Trump over the last couple of years regarding the the legal cases against him. Certainly the Eugene Carroll case, in my view, that one is very important. The fact that he's taken ownership of Roe versus Wade being overturned. I mean, he really is like pushing that very proud of it, you know, and, and so he's doing himself a disservice if because he probably believes that he's more popular than he is. And, and, you know, polls time and time again across the country, it's about 63, 65% of the country that believes that, uh, you know, a, a woman should has a right to an abortion. And yet he's in his information silo. And, you know, these things could lose him the election. They really could. I mean, if you... I mean, you think about a guy like Vander Plaats. He's a vote turnout machine. He turns out evangelicals in Iowa. I mean, yeah. that's just an example. Sununu does the same thing in New Hampshire. When you burn your bridges with people like that, yeah, they might go on TV and say, well, yes, I'm going to support Trump if he's the nominee. But they are not going to do anything above and beyond the call to help this guy. Yeah. And, you know, he just continues to burn one bridge after another, and it's going to catch up with him. People remember, don't they? And, and yeah. the loyalty that he craves is not pure. You know, he wants people to ignore their feelings and be emotionless about it and just have this blind loyalty. But actually, people are emotional on, on, on all sides. Um, let's talk about his doctor's note. This is where did this come from? Does he did he need a physical or something because the election's a year away? Is that what happened? Because he's found a kooky doctor and another doctor who claims that Trump is half the size and half the weight. And he was very proudly posted uh, his um, his medical note. Um, it's too small for me to read, but just give us the gist of it. What prompted this was what the first thing you said. What prompted this? What prompted this was Joe Biden's 81st birthday <laughs> at the date of this letter november right. 20th, that is Same joe day. biden's birthday yeah so that's what prompted this it was you know this was the, the what they cooked up probably this was jason miller uh because this has his fingerprints all over it his this is his mo um switches we're gonna you know stick it to biden we're gonna emphasize his age by putting this out saying you know trump is in Excellent physical condition, excellent cognitive health. But, you know, we started looking at this letter and scrutinizing it. And by the way, I posted that letter on Twitter. I got like over 2000 replies and a lot of them are from doctors. So if you want to go on my Twitter account, right. find that letter, read the replies. It's all from MDs and people who do this kind of stuff. And what they're saying is you don't go to a DO for a cognitive exam, number one. Number yeah. two, that letter, what they said, and these are doctors, what, what they said is that letter re does not read like a letter a doctor would write or dictate. That, that, that letter looks like it was dictated by the Donald Trump campaign because of the language that was used. For example, they said you would never use the word excellent 
to describe how somebody performs on a cognitive exam. There, there's different words that you use. Excellent is not one of those words. And so, you know, it just sounds like something Trump would say, of course. And so the, that, so that's one thing. You don't have a DO, the, the wording that was used. And then the other thing is that this guy is from New Jersey, this doctor. Trump hasn't been in New Jersey, in Bedminster in like two months. He's yeah. been out at Mar-a-Lago. So, you know, for him all of a sudden to release this on, and then it was released on <laughs> Joe Biden's birthday. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, this whole thing stinks. And of course, you know, Ronnie Jackson chimed in, excellent bill of health, you know, because he was the original, you know, scam doctor for Trump. It's so interesting, isn't it? And again, you know, we are living in this dystopian world now where up is down and down is up. And, you know, I blame Kellyanne Conway for a lot of this when it started with the alternative facts and you know, the crowd size and everything. You know, like the moment that that crowd size press conference happened. Yeah. Period. I I was like, uh-oh, you know, this from this point onwards, we are going to be living in a post-truth environment, as a lot of the media said, where you know, you can just say anything and it kind of becomes part of, of, of the conversation. And to say that, you know, Trump has a full head of hair and is, you know, weighs 150 pounds and is a keen sports person or whatever you want to say, there will be people that will buy it because you said a doctor said it. You know, it's it's like, it's not a very safe environment to be living in. You know, the George Orwell warned us of this and here we are, Ron. This is it now. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that uh, crowd size inauguration press conference because that was a pretty profound moment for me too. You know, as a a lifelong Republican who did not vote for Trump, and you know, I didn't vote for Hillary either. You know, I, I said this many times, voted none of the above. But you know, um, I I I hoped. You know, after he won, I was surprised he won. I did not think he was going to win. Of course, yeah. I thought Hillary was going to win. When he won, I was surprised. But then I said. You know what? I like a lot of Republicans at the time said maybe, you know, the gravity of the office and the seriousness is going to. And that's what Obama said around himself with are going to moderate him and he's going to, you know, grow. And and then I saw that press conference on crowd size and I just turned the TV off and I said, boy, was I wrong. This this is going to be a clown show from right from the all throughout. You know, it's it 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 doesn't feel safe. You know, that's how I feel. Like it doesn't feel like it it feels like the upside down. And so, you know, you need equilibrium to feel safe in life. You want to know that the sun rises each morning and and it gets dark at night and just basic things, right? That keep us. You know, that's why we wear a watch so that we we have a sense of where we are at. And my feeling is, and I don't know about you, but this is how I felt through his presidency, and it's how I feel now, as he somehow manages to get one over the justice system all the time, is that I, I, I feel unsafe because I, I cannot see the horizon anymore. And, and it does worry me, genuinely. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I do, too. You know, I'm, obviously, we all know what the stakes of this election are and you know, what it could mean for for the country if he were to get back in there. And um, so, yeah, I mean, there, <laughs> we all know now though, I mean, last yeah. time, you know, we could say, well, you know, a lot of Republicans say, well, the gravity of the office, he'll grow into it. He'll change. He'll moderate his tone. You can't, can't say that anymore. We all no. know what's going on here. Yeah. You know, you know what you're voting for. Okay. Yeah. We have to finish in a minute, but I, I have a clip that I want to finish with, which I, 
I, I kind of can't quite get my head round. This is this is the clip of Chip Roy, who, as as Congress was kind of shutting down for the holidays, he basically, to paraphrase, said, you know, what have we done as Republicans? What bills have we passed? Point to one thing that we've actually done to make this country better. I'll, I'll play it. We'll enjoy it, all of us, because it's, you know, it's you posted it and said, you know, this is like a campaign video for the Democrats. And then we'll we'll analyze where this came from. One thing. I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing, one, that I can go campaign on and say we did. One. Anybody sitting in the complex, if you want to come down to the floor and come explain to me one material, meaningful, significant thing the Republican majority has done besides, well, I guess it's not as bad as the Democrats. It reminds me of Columbo, you know, just just one more thing, ma'am. I mean, he has a point, doesn't he, Ron? You know, the, the, the reporting of this was that the person who is livid, most upset about this of anyone was Speaker Mike Johnson. Mike, they oh, said really? you know, Mike Johnson never gets mad. You know, he, mm. he never shows anger. They said he was visibly upset and furious at what Chip Roy just did because Chip Roy just made a campaign commercial for every Democrat running for Congress in 2024. That's going to be in, in so many ads. If it's not the, you know, campaign managers should be fired. Um, And so it's just, uh, it's, it's everything that Democrats have been saying about this Republican majority, Chip Roy, who's a right wing Republican just said it for us. And uh, it's fantastic. And, And he told the truth. Yeah. So what was his thinking? You know, what, what what did he intend to get out of this? You know, what what was his incentive? Because, That's you know, I can't... Question. It was like the first time, just talking a moment ago about feeling imbalanced, but, you know, this was the first time I was like, yeah, like someone is actually saying the truth from that side of the aisle. Yeah, but he's, you know, he's not saying it from the perspective of, like, we need to be responsible in governing what he's saying is we haven't done enough right-wing shit you know we haven't passed enough crazy stuff yeah and that's what he's complaining about you know is that and so he so his 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 reasoning is bad but what he's saying is good and i think i think the point is the counter to that that you hear from a lot of republicans is well we passed all this stuff the problem is none of what they've passed has made it through the senate right you know so so this is the thing you know it's one thing it means nothing if the House passes something if you haven't made sure that the Senate and the president is going to go along with it, at least the Senate. It, it means nothing. And that's the game, the shell game that they're playing. They're passing all these bills that the Senate says, we will not take those things up. Why are you wasting our time? Yeah. And they're counting that as a victory. Well, good on Chip Roy. That's all I can say. And, you know, and, and and here's to another year of them doing nothing and getting nothing passed. Um, because, you know, it's it's all everything they come up with is terrible. I mean, it serves nobody but themselves. Uh, listen, we have to finish, my friend. But I, I'd like to wish you a happy Thanksgiving because, you know, it's tomorrow and it's important. And, um, you know, I'm a British person. Will you so celebrate obviously. that as a Brit? I mean, absolutely. I am fully assimilated into this country. Oh, good. So, so I, I will be celebrating, hopefully, like you will. Um, so, you know, happy Thanksgiving for every, from everybody at Midas Touch. And uh, I'll see you next week, uh, Ron, for another episode of Uncovered. All right.
Have yourselves happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Have yourselves a really great uh, holiday. Bye for now. Thank you.